inaugural first ever edition of the Half Step Pod. I am one half of your co-hosting duo, Connor Lane. Across from me via Zoom, Grant Fisher. Grant, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, just having a nice Wednesday midweek. Uh, we're traveling out tomorrow, actually, for for a race. Um, but yeah, today's a good day. Yeah, that's gonna be another sound running one down in California, right? Yep, yeah, hosted by Sound Running again. Uh, I'll be running 5K this time, though. Um, there's some, some pretty loaded 1500s and 5Ks down there, so we're, uh, we're pretty excited. That's exciting. We're, we're going to get into the last Sound Running meet, because I feel like that was, pretty, that was a pretty good one <laughs> for you. Um, but before, before we get there, I guess we should probably give like a brief introduction about who we are. Uh, I assume yeah. most people listening to this definitely have heard of you, but just to just to be a little bit more clear, uh, yeah, I'm Connor Lane, and I am a senior distance runner at Stanford. Grant and I overlapped there for two years. Yeah, and my name is Grant Fisher. Uh, I'm currently a professional runner for Nike, and I run for the Bowerman Track Club. Um, before that, I was college teammates with Connor at Stanford. Yeah, dude. Good mems. Good. I was actually going to ask you and just completely surprise you on the podcast with this because I know we talked a little bit about the intro offline, but do you remember, I guess we might have met on my official, but do you remember the first like meeting that we actually had on campus or like in San Francisco, uh, my freshman year? Do you remember that at all? Because hmm. it's a huge deal to freshmen, I feel like, when you when you meet like guys who have been <laughs> and you had won NCAs like that spring and I remember coming in. Do you remember anything about that? I don't think I remember that one. Was I doing a workout that day? I think I don't know if I think you were, were in but, Golden Gate Park or something. Well, maybe I did. No, we we met in the airport, and I think Coach Sorensen came and picked us up. But you were the first dude I met, and we both had early flights. We got into the Sheridan because I I took like the six a.m. from the East Coast, so I get there at like nine thirty. And for some reason, you were also there really early, and uh, we got to the Sheridan, you know, for like preseason camp, and I think they were just like go get food so you just took me down university Ave. you're like hey we're just gonna go get food and uh i made my first and i've only made one since then stop in uh in pluto's the the burger joint oh i i do remember that yeah yeah Yeah. down at the end of university Ave. and this this was during like i feel like it was heavy drought season i don't know i feel like that was right at the tail end of when california i mean california should still be freaking out about water but when they were really freaking out and they like didn't serve us water initially we had to go ask for it but it it was (laughs) decent Um, I've, but I've only been back there one subsequent time <laughs> since then in the previous three years. And I, cause later that day, DJ got in and you were, I think you were gone to do the workout or whatever. And it was just me and DJ and he's like, dude, I'm so hungry. And I was like, man, I've, I've got a place for you. <laughs> and I, we walked, I walked <laughs> back down university. Ave. I didn't even eat the second time. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's Pluto's. I'm, I'm kind of a local. I know. And that was the, that was the only <laughs> restaurant I had heard of at that point. That was, uh. That was my first, I feel like, mem of, of us together. I feel like, though, when, when, when you're like a junior or senior, it's really easy to like forget that. But as a freshman, it just it always sticks out in your mind because you remember you just knew nothing. Yeah, I remember those, those times. You know, my first day on campus, I remember pretty much everything about it. Um, but yeah, it is interesting when you're thrust into a new situation versus when you're kind of the, the veteran um, that's kind of been around the block, you know dragging the the freshman that knows nothing out to Pluto's and and getting them food and stuff it's yeah. it's definitely a different experience completely different but like they're both good you know when it's that time oh yeah and absolutely like in a lot of ways that's that's my role now and it's 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 fun it's different and it's fun um 
Yeah, well, I guess, you know, before we get into talk about the specifics of, you know, what you did about 10 days ago down in California um, and just more bigger picture stuff, I guess we should start with kind of why we're doing this pod in general. Uh, I would say that we're doing this podcast because, I mean, I don't know about you, I definitely got sick of people just saying, man, we need more people talking about running all the time. <laughs> like, we need, we need more podcasts out there, more content. Um, and that there just weren't enough running podcasts, so we decided to throw a hat in the ring. But that's not that's not really, I guess, the main reason that we're trying to do this thing. Uh, Grant, I mean, you've had some really good insight into kind of what the goal is of what we're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So really, not that long ago, even yeah, a few days ago, Connor uh, called me up and had this idea for a podcast. And you know, normally I'm a little hesitant to do. Uh, just, just around podcasts. Um, I, I don't really like to hear myself talk that much. You know, you know. Sometimes you hear you like a voicemail yourself, and you're like, "Who is mm. that?" You know. Um, but I, d- I do think he raised some really good points, and those were, you know, there aren't a ton of podcasts out there that give you a really like behind the scenes look at professional running. Um, there, there are some YouTube channels and, and things like that, but um, at least for podcasts, there aren't there that many out there, and. Um, you know, the, the ins and out of professional running sometimes are a little, uh, are held kind of behind the curtain. Um, you only really see professional runners when they post on Instagram, um, or when they race. And, you know, that's, that, that's really not that frequent of a thing. Um, so personally, I'm not a huge social media guy. So this also serves as a way for me to kind of give updates and, and insights into training and, and what we're up to. And um, I know Bowerman can be kind of a reclusive team sometimes. We go up to the mountains and, and grind and don't really say too much. So um, really hoping to, to kind of shed some light on the behind the scenes of our day-to-day, the training, what's going through our minds, um, thing, things leading up to races, post-races, all, all that sorts of thing. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it's, it's the insight that you just can't get anywhere else. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, going off of all that, that the continuity, you know, we're going to try to make this a weekly thing. Uh, obviously, we're just starting out, but I think that'll be the goal. And, and hopefully what that achieves is just this feeling of continuity for, for anyone out there listening. Like, hey, I can actually kind of picture what's going on in this life of a pro runner. Um, and tangentially a little bit, I guess, of mine as well, but primarily focusing on Grant and, and what and what he's doing. I just feel like it's something that, you know, you, there are a lot of really quality running podcasts out there, but unfortunately, just because of the nature of our sport with so many people in it, it's hard to consistently follow one person's path or, or any, you know, one elite athlete's kind of journey. They, they pop off and they, they get those interviews and then you don't really hear about them for a while and they pop off again. And it's kind of a cycle. I think the goal of this podcast is to provide, like Grant said, that behind the scenes look, but just that unique perspective of consistent input, you know, from a runner over a season, or I mean, not to project too far, but hopefully over years of just kind of what what the career is like and shaping up to. And I feel like that, that provides a lot of value of when you, you know, then hopefully watch Grant race. It's like, hey, I, you know, I kind of heard what he was saying about this race beforehand and and i know how he's been feeling after the last one and you know obviously you're at a really high level right now and running really well but it might not all be a super linear clear you know like great path there's going to be some setbacks and hiccups and i feel like this pod 
could really shed some light on that side of running that you don't often hear a lot about. You know, you hear a lot more about people when they're at, at the top of that mountain. So, yeah, hopefully we can achieve at least some of those things. I know they're lofty, they're lofty goals to try to set ourselves to, but I'm certainly excited to try. Uh, yeah, and I just it doesn't hurt that Grant and I have been friends, so I feel like this is this is definitely a good situation for for both of us to kind of jump in and, and stick our foot in the water. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, definitely will be a little bit of a new thing for me to to put myself out there and and really, you know, share the, the ups and downs of training. Um, because kind of like I said, if you follow a lot of runners on Instagram, and actually lately people have been really good about posting both the highs and the lows. Um, but sometimes Instagram feels like it's strictly for flexing, you know, like, yeah, you, you put up a video when you're just feeling great, cranking a rep at the end of a workout or something, but it doesn't show the nitty gritty and, um, the, the ups and downs and, and the emotions that go into some of these performances. And like you said, just getting a post-race interview from an athlete, no matter who it is, um, especially as a professional where you don't race that much you know, they're, they're few and far between. It does make the sport kind of hard to follow. Um, so yeah, we've got some lofty goals with the pod. Um, we'll be learning as we go, but, um, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Grant said, bear with us on the technical side of things. We are, (laughs) we, we, we have bought relatively cheap microphones. We are, we are recording (laughs) via zoom right now. We are super excited about it, but undoubtedly something will go wrong between this recording and, and release date. And, (laughs) Just we ask for everyone's patience as we kind of learn this. Um, I guess uh, I guess the only other thing we should talk about real quick before getting into, I guess the main the main focus of this, the 10K you ran, would just be our general weekly structure. What we're going to try to do. Uh, typically, I think we're going to open up after a little intro with you know, our update on the past week. You know, hopefully, if you've had a race, we can we can jump right into that. If you haven't had a race, it might be more general still want to hear an update about your training, maybe where you're located, what's going on with that, um, what you're targeting and how things are progressing. And then also, you know, off of that more generally what's going on in the running world, you know, we don't necessarily want it to be this thing where we're just piling on whatever, whatever the newest trend is, or, you know, the hip thing to talk about, but hopefully if, if we feel like we can provide any sort of insight on what's going on, uh, we'd love to. I, I know, for example, if we didn't have this 10K to talk about, we'd probably talk a lot about the great job that everyone did down in Texas uh, from like a meat production standpoint and also from the performances that were run there. But obviously this week, you know, we even though it's a little bit late, we have this race to talk about. So we'll start with kind of the big picture stuff. Um, we'll move forward with, you know, hopefully we can get some listener questions, get some listener input into the pod. Uh, I think that's something Grant said that I really believed in was creating this with an eye towards like what would grant and i want to have heard when we were in high school uh with regards to professional running or or even collegiate running like what are the things we'd want to have heard someone talking about uh personally and so definitely feel free to reach out uh provide your input questions you may have we've got an email address we just set up called halfsteppod at gmail.com and we will link that in descriptions i'm sure you'll be able to find it yeah send that to us we're in the process of making an instagram (laughs) <laughs> that you could also just DM <laughs> us on, but email works for now. And then we'll, we'll, we'll close it out with some segments, some things we'll keep uh, consistent week to week on the pod. Grant, I'll let you talk more about those when we get to them. And uh, then closing it out with the upcoming week, you know, kind of like a little bit of a prelude to like, hey, you've got a race coming up. How are you feeling about it? And that, and that kind of thing. So just, you know, relatively simple, 
format, hopefully we can just kind of riff off of that and get to where we want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Without a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, we, we've, we've talked about that a good bit, so I feel like just, just trying to get it all out there. But uh, without further ado, we should talk about this 10K you ran. Debut 10K. Was it just the 10, right? That was just... That's the title? Yeah, that was the, uh, the very profound title. I liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I like that too. I, I like I like and it's the ten. We're not we're not messing around with anything else. You don't get the five or the fifteen. It's yeah, and it was down in Orange County somewhere. I feel like I still need to go. Uh, to secret location. Secret location. <laughs> that fits the vibe. Just bowing people there. Just <laughs> hey, the it wasn't lo- just no bowing people. We had a few other athletes from. Yeah. No, yeah, Ben True yeah, was there. Yeah, right? Ben True, Chez, uh, Reed was there. Yeah. yeah, we had a few guys. Okay, so not just Bowerman people, just mostly Bowerman people. But I feel like, you know, the main takeaway from your end is probably running 27-11, which is a uh, U.S. number five all-time mark in the 10K. Uh, I was going to ask if it was the best ever American debut, but I remembered the first running video I ever watched was Chris Slinsky breaking 27 <laughs> in his debut. So I don't think you got that. I don't know if it's second. Do you know if it's second or is it just it's up there? You know, that's the main thing. I, I believe it's second, um, but yeah, like you mentioned, you know, not even the best 10K debut on my team. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, yeah, Salinsky's got me beat. Well. That's a tough one to beat. Um, yeah, but cool to be mentioned in the same the same breath as some of these people that I'm now on on this all time list next to um, guys that I looked up to a lot um, even a year ago, two years ago, and continue to. Um, I mean, I hope to to work my way up the list a little bit, but um, definitely trying to soak it in, like really happy with, with how everything panned out. Yeah, I was going to ask more about like kind of that background to creating the race. Um, obviously, it wasn't a secret location, but I'm wondering how much of this was like <laughs> your team deciding, hey, we need to run a 10K. Let's go ask these people to set it up and how much of this was the meet happening on its own because it was out in California. Y'all were up training at altitude. Um, how how did this come together? Is this more of like Jerry or, or people at Nike saying it's time to race a ten, or like was it in conjunction with each other? Uh, like how how did you guys decide this was what you were going to do? You know, it was a little bit of both. I think Sound Running was looking to put on another meet after they had a really successful one uh, in December down there, um, and it worked really well into our schedule. Um, there just aren't a ton of opportunities to run fast ten Ks. Um, and we found a really nice one and we had guys willing to rabbit, um, which is a really selfless thing. And, uh, that's tough to find right now as well. Um, if someone is able to rabbit a race that goes 27, 10 through 8k, uh, you know, they, they're probably in pretty good shape and could probably have just been in the race to begin with and run just as fast. So, um, it's tough to find people that are willing to do something like that, um, so definitely a big shout out to, to Evan and Sean for, for holding their hands through uh, 80% of the race. That was quite nice. Um, but yeah, the, the race was set up partially because a lot of us needed standards. Um, that's the nature of, of uh, the Olympic year. The standard is pretty tough and you need a good situation to do it. And you can't run a 10K uh, every week trying to chase this standard. Um, you're, you're pretty wiped out after. So um, yeah, the, the meet came about, I think it was mutually beneficial for a lot of people. And um, 
we had a few non-Bowerman athletes in the race, which was great too. Um, ultimately, it, it, it panned out and was more of a, a time trial style race um, where everyone was just in line because everyone there wanted a standard. Um, but that's, that's the nature of the sport right now. If you don't have the standard, uh, that's not the best feeling going into the trial is knowing that you have to get it in the race. So we wanted to check the box and uh, we, we got the job done. That's what it's about, checking boxes. No, I mean, I think we'll talk more about pacing kind of later on. Sure. That, that's awesome that you've got teammates who can kind of take you through that much of the race. And I know you were talking about how consistent it was. So, yeah, that's sick. And were you saying, is it Mark Scott's debut 10 as well? Was it Woody? Like, how many 10s had the guys who finished that race kind of run? Was this like a veteran thing? Uh, Mark has run some 10s before. Uh, Kieran has run some 10s. I don't think Woody had ever run a 10 on the track. Um, both of us had run it in cross country a few times, uh, but it's a different beast on the track as, as we learned. Um, yeah, a cross country race in a 10K, you know, you get out hard, but at some point you settle and you're kind mm. of reacting to, to whatever the, the course is. You know, if it's flat, if there's hills, if there's downhills, where you want to attack. Um, this was just you know, you're kind of redlining the whole way. You know, there's, there was few, few variations in pace. Uh, if you look back on the splits, our rabbits had us through uh, pretty much 66 flat or 65.5 for every single lap. Um, and that allowed us to get a great rhythm, um, really let us settle in, take our mind off, you know, how hard it was and just try to expend as little energy as possible. I wonder about that too, just with the nature of running that 10K, because people talk about a hard five, and I guess this varies for people, but you know, even at a mile, when it's a hard five, you're you're already feeling it pretty good. You know, I mean, at 1500, you might start feeling it like even 400, 600 into like, okay, you're in that kind of debt. I don't know if, if technically you're in any debt or scientifically you're in any debt, but it starts feeling really challenging. I know the 10K, when you talk about redlining that whole time, it just seems like such a long time this might be a dumb question but did you feel like when it kind of set in more because you know you can run a good amount of 66s before you really like get to that threshold yeah um you know maybe redlining was a little dramatic uh if you were red i don't know if you could redline for almost 30 minutes uh but you're definitely like riding the line uh mm-hmm. for for most of the race um you know, for a while, because it was strung out and we were single file, it did feel almost like like practice-esque, you know, like when you're just strung out, you're not worried about someone coming up on your shoulder. You're not worried about stepping out into lane two to, to block someone from coming around or throwing an elbow at somebody. Um, you're just able to, to lock in. And um, for me, the race really started to, to add up and pile up mentally and physically uh, once Sean stepped off. So after 8k, uh, Mark put on a little surge, uh, to, and, and got the race going, which was great. Um, and, and, you know, when you're running 66 flat, 65, five, even running 64, five feels like you're hitting the gas. Um, so yeah, we, we hit the gas a little bit and, and, you know, that's when those thoughts creep up in your mind, you know, like, can I hold this? Like, Am I overextending myself? Uh, should I ease up a little bit? Like, can I do this basically? Um, 
And when you got that many guys around you, you kind of don't have a choice but to just keep pressing. And um, Jerry had talked to us before the race, and he thought when the Pacers dropped out, uh, Mark and I would be near the front and we could trade off laps or, or every two laps or so um, and keep the race going just so it didn't lag too much. Um, so when Mark went to the front, I kind of knew I had to follow him because I knew I was up next to take some leading. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it was hurting, it was hurting bad. Um, but it's, it's really interesting and this not, not to ramble too much, but this goes back to what we talked about a little earlier. When you look back on a race, I feel like you always look back on it, especially a race where the end result was successful. You look back and think it was a little easier than how it actually was in the moment. Like, mm. and so I'm trying to check myself. Like I'm looking back and I'm like, oh yeah, like it didn't really hurt till 8K. But I know in the moment it was hurting a, a lot, you know, even a couple laps in. So um, yeah, trying to be real with it, but it, it's, it's a hard race. 10K is uh, a, a long way to go. Long time to be out there. Yeah, well, especially in a debut. I mean, you said you said so many interesting things where we could go in different directions with that. But especially in that debut, I feel like sometimes in the fact that, you know, Mark's a teammate and, you know, you have this pre-race convo where, hey, you're going to have to lead at like, you know, if you're alternating two laps around like 8.8K over the race. Sometimes knowing like, hey, I have an obligation to take this lap in two laps. That's the most effective form of staying. Like you're not gonna drop. I mean, you you could drop, but you're really gonna stay in there, knowing that that's kind of your obligation to the dude. I remember, like for my races, sometimes I'll trick myself into being like, "Hey, like even if you drop out after that, like you you owe it. You got to go take the lead and, and help teammates out." I don't know if you had any of that going on, but definitely like being able to stick up there. I feel like is made easier when you know you have to be, you know, because you know you have other people counting on it. I feel like being selfless is an easy way to kind of. Well, it's still hard, but an easier way to kind of handle that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I mentioned, the 10K is a long time to be out there. So you're kind of playing mind games with yourself. Did you have uh, any good ones going on? Were you like, what, what's the <laughs> thought process? Like, do you have any moments like, yeah, at 5K, did you hear any splits? Did you hear all the splits? Like, what's, what's kind of your, what was your MO during that? You know, I, I could actually hear most of the splits, which uh, was a good and a bad thing. Um, it gave me confidence because I knew we were on pace and maybe a little under, but also every time you hear a split, like, uh, you're kind of thinking about how far along you are. It's a um, long way. Yeah. So I was trying, trying not to look at the lap counter. Um, there were no fans or spectators there, so there's really no crowd noise or anything to drown out the sound of your coach telling you the split. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely different, you know, in a, in a 1500, it's so tactical. You're just like thinking about position and where you're going to be conserving energy and then striking. Whereas in this 10 K, obviously it wasn't a championship setting. It was, it was very controlled. Uh, and your mind can wander, um, which, you know, if you're, if you're hurting, I'm sure it can compound so, so much over the course of a 10 K. Um, and so I was trying not to let negative thoughts creep in. Um, of course they, they come and go, they come for everybody. There are some laps where it feels harder than, uh, than others. Um, some laps where you feel in rhythm, sometimes when you have to chop up your step a little bit and I, I don't know, it sends like a, a shock to your legs almost, but that's the reality of running, um, and mastering your mind 
I think is a huge part of running. Um, or not mastering, but just understanding your mind and where your mind goes. Um, I mean, this race taught me a lot about myself, just how I think when things are hard, how I think when things feel long or it feels like I have so far to go. Um, and knowing better where my mind goes in those situations, I think will only help me going forward. Um, just being able to almost expect those thoughts to creep in and know that, you know, I can kind of quiet the thoughts and, and remind myself that, you know, you can, you can push through, you got this. That that's definitely going to be valuable down the line. It feels like it. That's definitely something that like, I don't know for any runners out there, it's <laughs> like knowing you have to kind of prepare for that, that negative feeling mid race. Like it's not all just going to feel really easy and exciting and, and you're going to be able to get through it. That's yeah. It's, it's super important. It's awesome. You got that little experience, um, running such a fast 10. I know taking it back just a little bit, we talked before the race, I remember, and you were like, yeah, my goal is, I think what's the Olympic standard 27, 28 or 27, 30, 27, 28. And yeah, you, you were like, yeah, yeah my goal is just like sub yeah. 27, 28, you know, get, get the Olympic standard. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember, that's what you said to me. Were you, were you just lying? Like, cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like there's no way you got into that race. Like, yeah, okay. I'm aiming for 27, 25. And then all of a sudden you're running 27, 10 pace. I guess you did, you did close pretty good. Um, but I mean, that's also like everyone closes good at that level to an extent, right? Like you're, you're going to be trying to run those times. Um, was that, what was kind of the goal? Obviously, what, what were they taking you in? for goal pace, uh, the pacers, and then what was kind of the, the idea of what time you could run? Technically, the goal pace was 27.28, um, and we thought if we paced it right at 27.28, which is about 66 flat laps, um, we'd be able to kick off of it and get under the standard. Um, kind of like I said, you know, running fast is really cool, and, and you know, I, I'm honored to be on this all-time list now, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean that much. Um, you know, you don't show up to the trials and because you've run 27.11 or 27.27.9, it doesn't matter as long as you're under the standard. So um, the standard was our number one goal for sure. Um, there's no doubt about it. And most of the time that we gained or made up uh, was in that final mile we started cranking a little bit faster and, and had a, a strong last lap. So most of the, the time that we dipped under that 27, 28 mark, uh, came in that last mile. But yeah, the goal was, was to rabbit it to the standard and then kick under rather than rabbit it to 27, 10 and potentially blow up. No, that makes sense. Giving yourself the most opportunity. Can I just state for the record that I'm bad at math, but that sub that, that last mile is for sure. Sub four ten. uh, might be like 408. I was trying to add up the splits before we came on the air with a what 201 or two flat close. 50 for you, 57 last four. So like pretty, you know, pretty solid closing off of a 10 for sure. I mean, it, it probably does help just a tad that you don't have to expend all that mental energy that you might in a tactical race, but still like really, you know, 410 <laughs> is a decent close in, in a 10k. I'd say for sure. Yeah, yeah, viral. we were we were really happy with it. Um, Mark's been closing great in the last few races, so. Yeah, he has. Was was nice to to have someone there just just pushing me along. Yeah, I mean that's what more can you ask in a teammate um, than to have them there to have one teammate get you eighty percent through a race, another teammate get you fifty percent, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of other teammates there with a lap to go and pushing you 
you know, up to the line. Um, that's a pretty great situation. Um, one thing that's really interesting is, you know, after that race, you know, I don't remember if it was on the cool down or maybe hours later, uh, I was talking to Mark and we were like, man, we closed in, well, I think, I think you, you said I closed in 57, Mark must've closed in 56 then. And it felt like we were moving. And you look at these world-class 10 Ks at the Olympic level, world championship level, guys are closing in 53 and the pace wasn't smooth before that. The, the pace was, you know, they run a 62 and then a 68 it's, it's back and forth fart licking. And that is so hard. <laughs> I don't know if people know that, but like the, the jerkiness of, of those kind of half tactical, half, like, you know, a bunch of dudes competing for spots when it goes from like 62 to 68, that, that is such a, even when you slow down like, to pick it up again off that is so difficult. So that, yeah, that totally. Yeah. Yeah. So makes sense. I mean, I, I was talking to Mark even, you know, we, we ran, we ran fast, um, and we were both really happy with our time. Uh, and we both feel like there's more in the tank. However, you know, we've got to be ready and, and we've got some work to do to get to where we can be in a championship race and run 27 flat with the jerkiness, with the back and forth, with battling people all the way through. And then with, a a sub 55 second on the end. Um, so we, we've got some work to do for sure. Um, and, uh, that'll, that's another piece that will come. But, uh, again, you know, we were both very happy with, with the time. And there is no like final piece, right? It's an ongoing process, but at the same time, that's, that's, that's pretty dang close to like a culminating piece when you're, when you, when you sit down on this pod and you're like, yeah, I can do that now. I feel like we're going to be in, <laughs> like, we're going to be in pretty good shape for, for whatever races come after that. Cause it, it does feel like that's kind of the last step in a lot of ways. Um, all right. So just, just closing that out a little bit, debut 10k scale of scale of one to 10, right? I mean, in honor of, in honor of the 10 down, down in orange County, where are you, where are you 10 being, I'm only running 10 Ks from here on out, even in training, <laughs> like that's it. That's all I got. And then one being I'm actually retiring from running, which I don't <laughs> think it's going to be, um, where are we at? How, how we feel about it? Uh, man, it, I don't know, probably somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, they keep, they keep toggling with the, uh, Olympic trials schedule. Uh, they just changed it again, maybe two days ago. Um, so now the 10 K is first and the 5 K is second at the trials. Um, mm -hmm. whereas before the 5 K was first and then the 10 K was second. So, um, my goal for the next little bit would be try to get a standard in the five as well, have both of those in my pocket and then be able to make a decision going into the trials with what kind of shape I'm in, uh, which one I want to do, or if I want to enter in both, um, just keep, keep the doors open and stuff. But, um, yeah, again, looking back at the 10, it went really well. So I'm like, yeah, I want to do some more tens, but mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to trick myself too much in thinking that it wasn't a, a battle out there. It was it was a grind that whole race. So, um, yeah, I yeah. Hopefully, we can hop in uh, hop in some fifteens or something going forward too. Like keep working on that speed because that's what you need at the end of these races. Um, but yeah, just trying to keep the doors open. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm too far in one direction or the other going towards the ten k or away from it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Hop in a mile too at some point just to get a PR that matches up. Someone, what was that like a tweet or an Instagram somewhere that your mile PR was still from high school? 
Yeah, that was the last time I actually ran a full mile. Um, so but then you, so you closed and like as, yeah. Last time a full mile. I assume that at some point here we're going to be going to be running running something uh in in that realm but no i mean obviously that's not as important as just like being a fit runner in terms of like the long-term stuff i uh i i want to ask just you know as we transition kind of off of the tent itself to what we've been seeing a lot in uh in in the national ranks and the collegiate ranks as well uh, with these really crazy fast times I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about the shoes um as just this this huge you know almost like mechanical doping level thing. Uh, I thought you had a unique perspective on this when we talked offline. I know that there's probably just a bunch of factors that go into why people are running so fast, but I was wondering if from your perspective, how much the shoes kind of do, um, and then maybe the context of other factors that go into these fast races and, and what you found. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the interesting thing about the shoes is right now the shoe that's getting the most hype slash criticism are the Dragonfly, uh, which are a new spike that Nike put out not so long ago uh, to kind of replace the Matumbo. Um, and they are really comfortable. I, I like them a lot. Um, they're my go-to spike in training, and I've been racing in it um, for my last few races, and uh, they're just comfy. Um, you know, anyone that's running the old Matumbos, or I'm sure spikes before I was running in spikes, you know, you're really close to the ground. doesn't feel like there's a ton there. Um, literally, your foot is millimeters from the ground. There's not a lot of foam. Um, you've just kind of got foam and a plastic plate. Um, the Dragonfly is just a little different. There's a lot more foam. Um, and again, there's a plastic plate. So the elements of it are identical to how spikes have been for the past 10, 15 years, foam and a plastic plate. Um, but I think Nike got the geometry right on these things. Uh, they're just comfortable. I don't know if it's if if it's the exact structure and geometry of the plate, uh, where the foam is, where the different points where it bends naturally. Um, whatever they did, it, it's just really comfortable. And perhaps that allows you to kick a little better at the end of the race because maybe your legs aren't as trashed. Um, but I, I don't know. I go back and forth. Um, because people are running fast in other spikes too. Um, and perhaps it's just a natural progression of the sport. Um, technology moves forward and uh, people's training moves forward and specialization, coaching, everything moves forward. Um, the sport hasn't plateaued um, and I don't think it will plateau going forward. Uh, you know, I expect when you and I are 40 or 50 years old and we look back at, at, at what we were doing and what we thought was good, the sport will have advanced since then. Um, and right now I feel like the Dragonfly is a nice sweet spot that a lot of people like with the geometry of it. Um, and honestly, it kind of reminds me of like, um, I don't know how much background you have in this, but like cycling, there are different geometries for different bikes that people have. You know, you can have a gravel bike, mm. you can have a fully tuned up road bike. Um, and different geometries of, uh, of the bike give different comfort levels, different springiness, uh, different stiffness in certain areas, different response levels. And that's kind of what the Dragonfly reminds me of. Just not that the components of it are that different, but just the, the exact fine tuning of it is quite nice. Um, 
But that would be like how I feel about the shoe thing. People are running fast, you know, regardless at, at all levels right now. Um, and in our 10K specifically, we had a lot of things going for us. We had perfect pacing, we had perfect weather, and we had an understanding among all the athletes in it that we weren't gonna fight each other. We were gonna try to run fast. And that is a great formula for running fast. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of the meets that have happened recently, they've followed a similar formula. Um, you know, the, the meet that was just in Austin had a lot more competitors, but they were paced races with rabbits. Uh, they had the little lights on the inside helping the rabbits and the goal was to get standards. Um, the meet in December down in California, same thing. Uh, there were athletes from all different teams, but, and at the end it did turn into a race. Um, but the goal was to run fast and they had as best conditions as, as they could come up with and, um, and people got standards. So, uh, I think that's a big factor. Um, one thing that you and I were talking about was that a lot of college kids are running really quick right now uh, mm -hmm. and why people think that is. Um, again, I think there's a ton of factors, um, but one of the biggest ones I feel like is college kids were able to train uninterrupted for many, many months leading up to this indoor season. Um, unlike how it would normally go with a cross country season, racing every week or every other week, um, and then trying to do indoors a month later, you know, there's a reason that pros don't do cross country. Um, it maybe isn't the best way to set you up to run fast indoors. And we're kind of seeing that right now that if these college kids can train interrupted, like pro uninterrupted, like pros, um, they can run really, really fast. Um, and I've been really impressed by, by the whole collegiate scene right now, sprints, distance running relays, uh, field events, people have been crushing it. Um, and, and it's, I find it really cool, um, to see that, that progression of the sport. Um, I know you could like look at it and try to find reasons to invalidate some of the things that are going on, but I, it, it gets me excited. It's raising the bar. Um, it's, it's kids realizing that uh, you know, if they put in really long blocks of training, they can run really fast and it, it makes a better environment for everybody. It makes the sport cooler to follow. Um, and hopefully we'll create more professional opportunities for a lot of people. I mean, there's so much there. Uh, I definitely, I agree with, I agree with a whole bunch of that. Um, I wonder if going back in addition to within the race itself, right, these dragonflies being more ergonomic or perhaps comfortable, it's, you know, this also just overall lack of, you know, tearing up your legs in training as well, right? Just not even just from the spikes, but from, from normal shoes. And again, not just Nike, but other companies making as well. Like it's not simply you're training in the same shoes as 15 years ago, but you're racing in dragonflies so much as everything is kind of tailored around getting a more comfortable and, you know, maybe less harsh experience on the legs and on the bod. Uh, it seems like that, plays a not insignificant role but also like that that's not the same thing as maybe mechanical doping where you're putting you know something ridiculous inside the shoe itself it's just overall we've we've learned how to better adapt the tech to fit you know people's feet <laughs> people's shoes and uh 
yeah and the college thing is interesting people have definitely been ripping uh cross country is important though <laughs> for sure i mean no doubt right i don't know i oh, feel I, like we're not advocating my, for, yeah. my time in cross country i loved racing cross so much fun no it's such a team event too you know as much as track can still be a team sport cross is really i don't know there's definitely that invaluable component to it but i, I i'd agree i mean i feel like we're seeing a lot of those similar things happen when there are fast races, you know, similar to similar to yours, right? With really good pacing, really fields that understand the purpose of the race more. Um, and that may be a slight byproduct of COVID as well. You don't have the same, you know, historical meets, like whether it's in an indoor season or a fall season where people are racing for, for as much prize money. And it is much more about hitting those standards because that's what you have going into the Olympic trials more than anything else. It seems like, but there, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot there. I'm sure people would disagree and say that the only reason you broke the Olympic standard this past weekend was because of the spikes. <laughs> no, I don't know if anyone would even say that, but, uh, yeah. Cause there's, there's that one. There's also what the juice boxes, which are, which are the other one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the juice box, um, AKA the Nike air zoom victory, um, <laughs> got to plug that. Yeah. Got to um, plug my bad. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is the juice box is by far more technologically innovative than the dragonfly. Um, but people are a lot more worked up about the dragonfly um, at, and like the technology within it. Um, the The Zoom Victory has a carbon plate and it has an airbag in the forefoot and it looks a lot, it looks different. You know, it doesn't look like your standard spike. Um, Whereas the, the dragonfly is foam and a plastic plate and looks a lot more like a, a traditional spike. So um, it is interesting that people are more worked up about what, at least in my opinion, I don't know all the specs, um, is the less technologically innovative of the two spikes. Um, but yeah, the, the victory is great for 800 mile um, shorter stuff. Uh, people tend to prefer the dragonfly for longer stuff. But um, you, you had a really good point about the training benefit from more comfortable spikes, uh, which I think is another factor that I had kind of overlooked. You know, if you're able to string together better sessions, uh, closer together without as much wear and tear on the body, you know, that is, that is definitely a good thing in this sport. And that just feels more scientific than anything. It's not like you can't outlaw, right? Like better training practices, better training equipment. You know, you don't see that in any sports. The things you can maybe outlaw is like actual competition, you know, like in baseball when you switch to wooden bats or I'm trying to think of other sports examples, right? Like in F1 racing, you have different specs on cars that, you know, change for each season. But in terms of just actually training, you know, if you're not physically doping, then I feel like whatever can give you the most comfort, like equipment wise, that isn't violating those rules. Like, I don't know how you really, you're not, you can't really make someone train in like worse shoes because <laughs> not everyone is training. Mean, I feel like at a certain point we got to talk about just like <laughs> keeping people healthy is, is a great thing. You know, people, if people can be healthy and recover more and I don't, you know, it's not just Nike shoes that are doing this. I don't want to just sound like a Nike pod, even though I'm talking to a Nike athlete. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of like different shoe brands that are that are, seem to be doing this, um, and just as tech gets better and better. But I think overall, the reason we're seeing such good performances. I mean, runners are running really well. Runners have had consistent blocks of training, where they haven't had you know the same like racing frequently schedule you would have had this past year. Um, but yeah, and the shoes are definitely a small part of that, but probably do help in some ways. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting debate. I think the bigger thing is 
um, even if the record books are rewritten and, you know, I don't know if this even applies to your time. I feel like you guys, I mean, no one, it's not like no one's places count. You know, if you run this time, it definitely matters. But I think the more important thing that like you would focus on or I would focus on or any of these kids or guys who are actually running the times is you got to race the field that you're up against at the trials, you know, or at, or at NCAAs if you're in college or whatever, you know, at the Olympics. It It's not really about the record book. The record book is cool. Like you said, you're probably honored, you know, to be on that amongst those names. But like if the tech is better, if the tech is worse, it doesn't matter if you're racing guys who are like, you know, also running these times against you. You know, at the, at the end of the day, like, that's a lot of what I feel like I would focus on. I don't, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've got to just focus on beating the people who are lined up in your race. Who cares if you all run way faster than is, you know, normal. That's not really your concern. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, the sport is always evolving. It's, it's always changing. People are always getting more fine tuned, more sophisticated and will continue to, um, but yeah, at the end of the day in our sport, it's placing that matters. Um, and kind of like I alluded to before, we were all really happy to, to run the Olympic standard. But um, at the end of the day, we want to make a team. And we want to be in Tokyo. And we want to be competing in a final. And down the road, I hope to be competing for a medal. Um, those are the things that really count. And whoever you line up against you got to race them. Um, it it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, in college when you're a freshman or, or maybe a sophomore and you're racing against fifth years, you could say that's kind of an unfair advantage. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You have to get out there and race them and you have to try to win. Um, they're, they're operating within the same rule book that you're operating in. Uh, they're not breaking any rules because they went out and did a mission and came back. Uh, and are a little older. I know a lot of people complain about that, but you know, when I would line up against people that were older than me, it, it, it doesn't matter. You don't get a, a ribbon for being the, the fastest junior in the race, like at, at NCAAs, you, you get a medal for winning NCAAs. Um, it, it's, I think it's just reframing the issue a little bit. Um, but like you said, placing is what matters the most by far. And if everybody's getting faster collectively, you still have to beat the other people that are getting faster as well. Well, and I, I want to anticipate one caveat to like what you just said or one potential drawback, which is, yeah, you know, from your perspective, what matters is racing the people around you. I think that potentially there's like a manufacturer debate there, you know, or like a regulation debate. Uh, again, I don't think around like the shoes that people train in, but, you know, it obviously it's something that's out of your domain to even worry about. But I think that people who are interested in the shoe debate are talking about it more from like a regulation perspective, right? Like regulating certain, you know, shoe. I mean, I don't even know the nitty gritty of what we're talking about because I feel like most spikes are conforming to what they've been, but it's just, you don't want to conflate those two things. You've got to focus on your races and lining up against people you're lining up against, but certainly they're, you know, should be people looking at the way that shoes are affecting the current times and performances. And, you know, you don't, it's not Nike's fault if their shoes are, are doing super well, but you don't want people to just have no shot against other people in races because of stuff on their feet. I don't think that's what's happening now, but I think that that would be the concern and something that you want to like, not Grant Fisher doing, but you want people to make sure that there's some sort of regulation just to 
you know, make sure that no one's doing anything that gives them just a ridiculous advantage. Yeah. But I don't yeah, think that's yeah. what's happening. Um, it's just that's kind of the idea of, of you don't worry about that. You shouldn't. You know, you're the athlete. It's just it's what's there. Yeah. I mean, that that's totally a fair point. Um, the sport wouldn't be that interesting if, uh, you know, people had huge advantages over others, you know. No. Um, and it wouldn't be as much of a, play, a level playing field. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's my, it's literally my job to run fast and try to win races. Uh, yeah. it's not my job to create, um, limits on stack heights or debate no. that. Um, you know, obviously my sponsor is Nike, so I wear Nike stuff and Nike is continually pushing the boundary and creating good, good product that, um, maybe is stirring the pot a little bit, but that means they're kind of doing their job. Um, you know, they're not putting out the same spike every single year. Uh, they're trying to make it better. And if there are governing, governing bodies that decide that, you know, maybe they've gone too far, then, you know, you just have to accept it. And, um, yeah, it, it's a complicated debate for sure. Um, from an athlete's perspective though, uh, you know, I just, I just want to run and race and feel like, uh, like I've got a shot at winning races and that it's me winning the races too. Um, I don't think I would be that comfortable either if, if I really thought that these spikes were elevating my performance to, to just insane degrees that, that it wasn't me mm-hmm. out there running anymore. No. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. I feel like you want to, even if you are a paid athlete, you want to be doing things and feeling good about, <laughs> you want to feel good about what you're doing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, anyway, I feel, okay. Well, that, you know, we, we got into that a little bit, which I, which I think is good. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully people like hearing about that perspective. I know it's a little bit different, you know, um, I'd love to transition to segments, but I don't think we should, I know we got some stuff cooked up, uh, in terms of some videos that we might want to direct the audience towards. Uh, but I don't know if we, I don't know if we have enough time. We've been going for a little bit. <laughs> To maybe talk about what we're gonna talk about with that one, I was wondering if you if you maybe had an idea on like a different segment, uh, perhaps anything weird that you've seen uh, come across in your time on the internet. Because, yeah, and, I, and I'd love to get back to the you know, anyway, anyway, yeah, I was wondering if, if you had any idea on how to how to intro this or maybe what you want <laughs> this thing to be. Because I was really excited when you talked about it. I told a couple friends. They're all really excited about this. I imagine that, honestly, the person that you might feature, even though you'll keep it anonymous, would be excited about this. I don't know. Uh, why don't you tell the people what's going on? Yeah, um, we, we thought it'd be funny. You know, I, I'm on Instagram. I'm not that active on it. Honestly, I do more, more lurking on Instagram than just, anything. Just sleuthing around yeah. the background. More lurking than actually posting. Um, but I get some really interesting DMs sometimes. Um, and so I thought I'd shout out the weirdest DM I got, uh, this past week and, and maybe we can roll this into next week as well. If I get some more weird ones, just a um, segment, you know, it's yeah. a, we're not encouraging anyone to do anything they wouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't I, necessarily want your DMS to become a cesspool, but just, yeah, I mean, I've gotten some, some pretty, uh, inappropriate ones that I probably shouldn't share. Um, not just share. ask. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I had three different kids this week, high school kids, DM me about how much Centro can lift. Uh, one kid <laughs> asked about his deadlift. Another kid asked about his back squat. And then another kid asked about his bench press. Totally separate. 
like people. I clicked on their profiles to make sure they didn't all go to the same high school or something. No, no relation. So I don't know if there's <laughs> some talk about out there about how much Centro can lift and people really want to know the deets. Um, I haven't asked him. <laughs> it seems like there is. It seems yeah, like there so is talk. Those are interesting. Um, obviously, I won't say the, the people's names who sent me these, but um, yeah, maybe I'll get some good DMs next week and can chat about it. Um, and if they're too... If they're too ridiculously inappropriate, uh, I probably won't share them publicly, but I'll laugh about them and <laughs> probably tell Connor off camera. Um, Are you encouraging people to send you in? <laughs> no, I'm saying DMs. don't do that. that, that I'm weird? saying don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. But if you do. <laughs> yeah. No. Wait, wait, Grant, Grant, Grant. You've got to, you've got to settle this. How, how much can Centro deadlift, deadlift? How much can he back squat? Like, where, where, where are the metrics at? You got it. Now we got to know. So now I'm curious. Centro can leg lift quite a bit. Um, I've seen him on the hex bar moving, you know, quite a bit of weight. Um, a lot of plates you on know, that. We're, we're, we're runners. We're not big guys, you know. Um, but I feel like our strength to weight ratio, at least in our legs, is pretty solid. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how much he's moved. But based on how many plates are on there, I, I'd say like maybe 250. Um, pretty consistent, consistently, you know, not, not like a one rep max max or anything. Um, but maybe I'll, I'll ask him what he can move. Um, on the bench, I don't know if any of us can bench our, our body weight. Uh, I know that's a metric people like to use. I tried benching, uh, when I first joined the team in Colorado Springs, um, tried to do my body weight, couldn't do it. less air density up uh, there too. So it would be Yeah, easier. yeah. I was thinking... You know, we're further away from the center of the earth, so there should be a little less gravity up here. Um, but I couldn't do Not it. Not noticeable. I, I did the thing where, where the bar drops down to your chest and you kind of try to bounce it off and your back is arched and you're like, Not the you form. have totally horrible form. Kurt yeah. Thomas would be pissed. Uh, yeah, and then it like fell flat on my chest and I was like, help, help. And Centro came over and just picked it up. Clear, clearly. Yeah, yeah, with one hand. Um yeah, no, I, I don't know how much Centro lifts, but people seem to be quite people interested care. this week. Right, well, I feel like that was enough. I feel like if, if I'd asked that question, heard your response, I'd, I'd be, it'd be okay. I'd be like, thank you. You know, that, that's about <laughs> as much as I could have possibly hoped for. Um, yeah, no, I was only weirded out because three different people <laughs> asked me in the same week. It was kind of strange. We're going to have to get his answer on this, though. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd want to tell <laughs> us, too. I feel like he'll definitely, if it's good, he'll definitely want to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dang. Well, you know, um, hopefully people who are listening to this thing uh, enjoyed episode one, the inaugural episode. We actually went a little longer than I thought we would, which is which is awesome. You know, we're, we're just pumping out the content. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to make this a weekly thing. Before we go off air, Grant, as we mentioned in the in the pre, you know, in the beginning of the show here, you've got you've got a race coming up, right? Going back down to Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, pretty excited for this one. Back down to Orange County. Uh, actually, flying out tomorrow. Um, we got a well, race. When this drops, it might. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Flying yeah. out on a Thursday. It's Wednesday today. Um, flying out on Thursday and race is Saturday night. Um, quite a stacked field. We got a couple Bowerman guys. Uh, I believe Joe Klecker and Ollie Hoare will be down there from the On Group. Um, sounds like Morgan McDonald to be down there. Um, uh, I forget. I just really quickly glanced through the list today, but yeah, pretty nice field. Um, should be pretty competitive. Um, Bowerman's putting up a few pacers, so uh, we should have some pretty hot paces. There'll be 
some 15s as well. So um, I believe it'll be streamed live on YouTube, which is an awesome thing that so many of these meets have been doing lately. Um, so if you want to check it out, that'd be great. Um, but I'm really excited. Yeah, and that's the, that's the sound running. Is it just the, the 5K presented by sound running? Is there a name <laughs> of this meet? Is it, I mean, just sound running 5K, I feel like you should get there, right? Or am I yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure there'll be some stuff on on the on airways. The yeah, yeah, coming up. But I, I'm actually not positive on the official name, so I, I don't oh, want yeah. to speculate too much. But um, Well, the 10 was gold, so I yeah. hope they can live up to that standard. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it, it should be good. Really excited. And, uh, and on my end, we got, I'm not traveling with the boys, but they are racing at Pac-12's cross country in Seattle on Friday. Looking forward to that, uh, sending them the best vibes from, from back here in Palo Alto. And I think we'll, yeah, we'll have updates on both those, but especially on your race. Uh, hopefully come next week for, for these listeners. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the, this inaugural pod grant. Anything anything else that i might have missed i mean we've we've been talking for a minute yeah yeah we yeah we did talk longer than i expected uh we'd be able to talk for but um yeah if if anyone is out there still listening (laughs) i really appreciate uh you guys lending an ear to us um yeah moving forward we'll probably be a little more concise just because i won't we won't have a race to talk about every single week um and we won't be as uh as much yeah, you know, I felt like I was bumbling along a little bit. We're gonna get in the rhythm. Here. We're gonna yeah, get we'll, in the rhythm. We'll, we'll find the rhythm. Um, hopefully, people like this. Uh, I, I can count on my parents to get a few views. Hopefully, my parents are definitely going to listen. A few listens. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Hopefully, uh, we can keep this rolling for the next few weeks. And if it flops, we'll probably just delete it and pretend it never happened. So, um, I think it's a win-win. <laughs> exactly. There's it's it's only a half step into the. Uh, into the podcasting world. Oh shoot! <laughs> yeah. Oh, double. I know you were saving that one. You didn't even the, tell me dude, you were gonna drop that one for like a week. As soon as you told me the name. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, and yeah, have, have a great one. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye.